Hi, everyone. Welcome to Module 5's podcast. We are in Chapter 16 again. This is the last time we'll see Chapter 16. Um, so we are on page 285. The heading that I'm under is Acid Base Imbalances. So in 353, we introduce the concept of acid base imbalances. And you will build on this knowledge as you go through med surge two and three. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna say this several times, but I just want to say this in the beginning. So the purpose of learning acid base imbalances in this course is to understand what's going on in the body. So understanding how the body can compensate. So we'll talk about that. Um, and to learn the imbalances. So there's four main imbalances that we'll walk through. So an extra step to learning about acid-base imbalance is interpreting the numbers and then from the numbers making a discernment of is it fully compensated or partially compensated. So for this course, every ABG set of numbers you see will be uncompensated. Meaning that on the exam, the goal will be that you can have mastery over properly identifying which acid-base imbalance it is, all of the results will be uncompensated. When you go into your future med surge courses, they'll talk about how you can tell from what the numbers are doing if the patient is partially compensating or fully compensating. So that probably sounds like a lot of gibberish and that's okay. We're gonna talk about it a lot, but I'd like to start with that so that you understand that this is a process. Acid-base imbalances can feel very overwhelming. My goal is to break it down that it will be very manageable. That's our goal, okay? So just know that there are extra steps that you will learn, and so we're scaffolding it up. This is the beginning step. So when we talk about acid-base imbalances, we're really talking about homeostasis. It's how the body can maintain a good balance between how many acids they have and how much base they have that neutralizes. So there's a lot of health problems, underlining health problems. Some of those health problems you will learn about in this course that can cause acid-base imbalances. You know, a main one that we talk a lot about is COPD, which we will talk about in Module 6. Um, and then uh, diabetes, so diabetic ketoacidosis, which we talk about in Module 8. Had to think a minute about what module that is. So that's the underlying health issue that can cause the acid-base imbalance. When we talk about acid-base imbalance, and now I'm under pH and hydrogen ion concentration heading, it's all about the hydrogen ions, the concentration of the hydrogen ions in the body. So if there's an increase in the hydrogen concentration, that leads to acidity, if there's a decrease in the hydrogen concentration, that leads to an alkaline situation or alkalosis. So the range in the body um, that we're looking for, that is where we want the body to stay, is between 
7.35 and 7.45. That is considered a normal acid-base balance. And if you look at figure 1616, you can see that. That's where it's normal. The one thing to think, to look at that figure is to say, wow, it's pretty narrow, right? So we have 7.35 to 7.45. Anything below 7.35 is acidosis. Anything above 7.45 is alkalosis. And then we start talking about death. So meaning that this is really crucial that our body stays in this tight control between the balance between acid and the balance between um, alkalosis. So acidosis is anything below 7.35. Alkalosis is anything above 7.45. So now I'm under acid-base regulation. So there's three mechanisms you need to know of how the body tries to regulate our acid-base imbalance to keep it between 7.35 and 7.45. The first step are the buffers. So the buffering systems are chemicals that try to change the strong acids into weaker ones. Or these buffers will bind with the acids to neutralize them. So the buffers are, the main buffer you see in our ECF fluid is bicarbonate. Okay, so bicarbonate's a big buffer that tries to go in there and work on to fix these acids, you know, to try and turn that acid, those acids, strong acids into weaker ones or bind to them. Other buffers you can hear about is phosphate, um, proteins, and hemoglobins. So what you need to know is when the body picks up that there is something wrong with their acid-base imbalance, the first thing it sends is its buffers. So that's the first way that it tries to compensate. Okay, now in that section, there is a very complicated explanation of all the things that are happening. Honestly, I don't need you to go there. You've taken chemistry. You probably talked about some of those things. You may have talked about some of these things in pathophysiology. I need you to just know that the buffers are chemicals that go out there and try to make a change. The second system that tries to help regulate acid base imbalance is the respiratory system. So our lungs help maintain normal pH by excreting CO2. Okay, so our lungs will start to kick in to try and be like, ooh, I sense a problem. I sense there's too much carbonic acid. I will try to excrete it. I will try to get off the acid. I'll try to breathe it out. So I pick up that there's too much acid and I try to breathe. So it tries to get rid of the carbonic acid, which is our CO2. So know that the, the respiratory system kicks in between minutes, really between minutes and, and hours, a minute and hour, right? So quickest is your buffers. So you need to know this, quick is the buffers that comes first. Next are my lungs. They take minutes to kick in up to like an hour. And then third, the third way the body tries to regulate is the renal system. 
So the kidneys are trying to manage what's going on with this bicarbonate. Okay, and they're trying to excrete some of the acid. They're trying to figure out how much bicarbonate do I keep? You know, they're really trying to like figure out how do I do this? So one way the kidneys can do it is excreting more of this acid into your urine. All right, the problem with the kidneys is it takes time for them to kick in, hours to days. So if a patient's really sick, we're not gonna sit around and look at our watches and go, oh, it's okay, it's okay, those kidneys are gonna start trying to compensate, we have to intervene. Another thing I'm talking about, the systems, the three ways the body tries to regulate acid-base imbalance that I want you to really think about um, as I say this, that when, if there's a problem in the lungs, so meaning that the problem, the acid-base imbalance is originating from the lungs, the lungs can't compensate for it. If the problem is uh, originates metabolic, right? So our kidneys would be working on the metabolic, they can't compensate for themselves. So you'll start to see as we go through the acid-base imbalance states that you know you you can't the body that is affected can't compensate for itself. Think of it this way, it's broken. So things that are broken can't fix itself. So now we're moving on to the bottom of page 286, and the heading is alteration in acid-base imbalance. Now we're gonna talk about the four states. As I talk about the four states, you wanna be kind of referring over to table 1611. Also, you wanna be turning the page and sometimes referring to table 1612 in 1613, okay? So I will walk you through that um, as we go through it. So when I talk about respiratory acidosis, it means that the, the person has a buildup, too much retention of CO2. Okay, so respiratory acidosis, they have too much CO2 on board. So if we know that, we know that the kidneys aren't going to start making a difference until a day or, an, you know, hours to a day. So we can't wait around. So we have to intervene. So if you look at table 1611 under respiratory acidosis, you'll see some states here. And we're going to talk about a couple of these and we'll talk about them in class. So we talk about COPD. So when we have COPD, a patient has COPD, they are not adequately ventilating. What that means is they, this patient, you see patients who have COPD, they have a barrel chest. Um, they're um, having trouble breathing. We talk about something called um, purslip breathing that you'll learn about as an intervention. And so that's meaning to fully exhale. So there's air trapping happening that makes that exchange between, you know, the CO2 isn't working how it should in normal lungs. When we talk about an overdose, 
you know that we talked about um, someone who is getting an opioid and they may be on a PCA pump and then their respiratory rate goes way down and their pulse ox goes way down. They're not exchanging. They're not ventilating enough. Okay, so they are have such a low respiratory rate that they're building up CO2 in their system. Also things that are here are pneumonia atelectasis. If we think about atelectasis from our time in module two, talking about post-op complications, we know the lungs, the bottom of the lungs, those alveoli are getting lazy. So that means there's not good exchange, right? There's not good oxygen CO2 exchange going on. Someone has problems with their chest wall or their muscles are weak and can't see so your diaphragm isn't working properly. This could lead to um, a problem with respiratory acidosis. They could have be on a mechanical hypoventilation, meaning that they're on a ventilator or they're on something else to help them breathe and they're not getting enough breath. So there's not enough of, of an exchange in and out to um, get rid of that CO2. And then pulmonary edema, which means, well, now I have fluid in their lungs. So of course I'm not gonna have a good enough exchange. So the patient is either not breathing effectively or the respiratory rate is too low. So I'll say that again, either the patient respiratory acidosis is not breathing effectively there's some kind of limitations like COPD or atelectasis or respiratory muscle weakness or pulmonary edema or pneumonia. So there's something wrong that makes their breathing not effective. You know, you can also add asthma to this category because they're not breathing effectively. There's not an effective exchange or they're not breathing enough. So I want you to know, have this in your mind. Respiratory acidosis, not breathing enough, or it's not effective breathing. All right, now we're gonna move on to respiratory alkalosis. Oh, wait a second. Before I move on to respiratory alkalosis, turn the page. Look at table 1612. And you can see the first column talks about respiratory. So it says an increase of POCO2, which is the same thing as I'm talking about um, with CO2. They're interchangeable. Okay, so it, what PACO2 means is amount of CO2 in the blood. Look at those symptoms. And so these symptoms probably should make sense. If someone's not breathing effectively or enough, they probably are going to have a headache or they could have differing levels of um, consciousness. They can be confused, okay? We could have some issues with cardiovascular and there, there are some electrolyte changes that happen. I'm gonna get to those electrolyte changes in a little bit. Um, and they could have seizures and their respiratory says hypoventilation with hypoxia. So meaning they're not breathing enough or effectively and they're not having enough oxygen. All right, respiratory alkalosis means that there's not enough acid. So they have too much base on board. Okay, so guess what? 
they're hyperventilating because they're blowing all of the CO2 out, blowing it all out. Just they're breathing way too fast, breathe too fast, way too fast. And so the way they could be breathing way too fast from anxiety, from pain, um, women who are in labor, right? So they're breathing too fast. We've got to slow down that breathing because what they're doing is blowing off all of their CO2. Okay, the kidneys will start working, but we can't sit around a while and wait for them to kick in. So we're going to have to intervene. So meaning that we need to slow down the breathing. So what are some states? We talked about hyperventilation. That's the main one I need you to know. And meaning that the, the other part you could see under, I'm um, in table 1611, talks about a stimulated respiratory center. So meaning that the respiratory center is overacting because of these other things happening in the body. Again, breathing too fast. They could be on a ventilator and they're getting too many breaths. All right. And then if I turn the page and look at table 1612, 1613, 1613, manifestations of alkalosis, you can see the respiratory side, so they don't have enough PaCO2. So they could be dizzy, lightheaded, confusion, a headache, tachycardia. They could have dysrhythmias due to an electrolyte that we'll talk about. They could have um, tetany and numbness and tingling of the extremities because of the fact of what's going on with one of their electrolytes that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and, and you look at the respiratory hyperventilations. So, and it says lungs can't compensate because there's a problem, there's a respiratory problem. So now we're moving on to metabolic acidosis. This means there's a bicarbonate deficit. So meaning that there's too much metabolic acids in the body. Metabolic acids can come from different places. The main one you're going to hear about with metabolic acidosis is diabetic ketoacidosis. And so as the body, um, and we learn about ketoacidosis um, in module eight, but so what happens is there's something going wrong in the body the body um, is compensating by breaking down fats. And by breaking down those fats, they turn into acid. And then there's too much circulating acids. That's the ketoacidosis. Lactic acidosis, you can sometimes see when patients are in septic shock. Someone who is in starvation could be in metabolic acidosis. Diarrhea is a big one that you want to know. So diarrhea is big because they are having so much output that they are in metabolic acidosis. One thing that is kind of crude, but that has helped my students in the past remember is that you poop out your base. So you have so much diarrhea, you're just pooping out all your base. Renal failure can be a reason of, um, for metabolic acidosis and shock and if you have problems with fistula in your GI system. All right, so you turn the page and you look at table 1612, manifestations of acidosis. You can say that, oh, there's not enough bicarb in their system. 
to, you know, bicarb is our base, there's not enough, so there's too much buildup of acids, so the patients can be confused and lethargy, have a headache, have coma. Um, they can have a dysrhythmia, which is going to be related to an electrolyte. They could have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, muscle weakness. And if you look under respiratory, deep, rapid respirations, guess what? Those are called Kuzmal's respirations. And those are the compensation. The body's trying to fix. Remember, the lungs kick in really quickly. And so the body is like, hey, I'm going to help. So I'm going to blow off a lot of my CO2. Okay, so that's what's happening um, with the deep rapid respirations. So moving on, we're going to move on to metabolic acid alkalosis. So that means there's too much bicarbonate. So there's too much of a loss of acid. Okay. Or someone took in too much bicarbonate. So if we look at table 1611, you see metabolic alkalosis, vomiting, and, and NG suctioning. So I would tell patients, I would tell my students that you vomit up your acid and you poop out your base. So they're losing the acid, which makes sense. If you're vomiting, guess what acid you're losing? Hydrochloric acid in your stomach. And if you have a continuous NG suction, you're losing acid that way too. Someone who's on diuretic therapy, someone who has hypokalemia, so they have low levels of potassium, someone who takes in too much bicarbonate so we'll talk about this bicarbonate otherwise known as baking soda someone who's taking in baking soda excessively because maybe to manage heartburn and if you don't believe me go and go ask your mom or your grandma or maybe in your own kitchen and try and find a box of bicarbonate and see on the side of the baking soda box what it says you can use it to help with heartburn. All right, you're gonna see something that says mixed acid-based disorders. I want you to just be like, nope, cross that out. Not gonna do that in this course. You're gonna hear about this more um, when you think, when you learn about compensation and also when you learn about um, more critical patients. If you look at table 1613 and you look at the fact that they have an increase of bicarbonate and look at that metabolic column, you see the patient could be irritable, have lethargy, confusion, headache. They could have a dysrhythmias um, due to the um, to electrolyte imbalance. They could have nausea, vomiting, anorexia. They could have tetany, tremors, tingling fingers, toes, muscle cramps, seizures, and they could have hypoventilation to try, and that's the lungs trying to compensate. All right, so now we're moving on to page 288. You can look at figure 1617, and it's just kind of a picture to help you visualize um, building on the first um, figure we saw, um, showing you where the um, imbalances are happening. I want you to look at table 1614. Those are the normal arterial blood gas values. These are the, you need to memorize these. 
I'm not worried about the base excess, not gonna talk about that, but you need to know your pH, your pHCO2, your bicarbonate, your PaO2, and then your SaO2, which is your pulse ox. So now I'm moving down to blood gas values on page 288, which takes me to the top of 289, table 1615 called Rome. We're gonna talk about Rome in class, but for this part, you might just wanna write this down, okay? So we talk about Rome as a way to help you learn how to interpret arterial blood gases. So in respiratory conditions, so in respiratory acidosis or respiratory alkalosis, you're going to go in the opposite directions, meaning the pH and the PaCO2 go in opposite directions, which means, I'll give you an example, if I'm in respiratory acidosis and my pH is gonna be below 7.35, my PaCO2 is going to be above that 45. So they're going, one's going down. So as your pH is going down, your CO2 is going up. When we think about metabolic conditions. So metabolic acidosis and metabolic alkalosis. You're going to say that your pH and your bicarbonate go in the same direction. So meaning that if your pH is low, your bicarbonate is going to go low. So they're going to be equal. So no... Rome, respiratory opposite, metabolic equal. In class, we're gonna go into depth of looking at ABG numbers and walking through it. We also are going to go through case studies of uh, metabolic conditions and try and put a, a person that you can look at and see what's going on with their body and talking about the acid-base imbalances. On the bottom of page 289, um, it talks about the assessment. So you can look at this. Is this the same thing of building on? These are the questions you're going to want to ask someone that relate to acid-base imbalances. And if you go to the objective data on page 290, the physical exam, okay, you're going to look at that. Um, and then laboratory, laboratory imbalances, meaning that you're going to look at your arterial blood gas and you're going to look at electrolytes. And so I'm going to go more in depth about what's going on with our electrolytes, but our two electrolytes that come into play when we talk about ABGs are our potassium and our calcium. Okay, so we'll just talk about that more in class, um, but you'll bring your knowledge forward of what's hap what happens in the body in a, um, when someone, what signs and symptoms does someone have when they have a potassium imbalance and what signs and symptoms when they have when they have a calcium imbalance and that will build on that knowledge in class. So hopefully, I know this was long, but hopefully it helps you to understand this very, I know it's a very small few pages of reading, but there's so much information. Also, this should have helped you walk through your CPA.
All right. Thanks for listening. See you in class.